Today's episode of the Film State Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you Welcome back, brothers and sisters, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show. Movie review podcast of thefilmstage.com. As always, I... Am your Reverend Brian J. Rowan here to bear witness with me today? We have Michael Snydell. I don't know how you got me back in a church. <laughs> this fucking sucks. <laughs> we also have Bill Graham. Praise the Lord. Amen, brother, and hallelujah. And with us today to bear witness to the devil all the time, the newest film from director Antonio Campos. We have Matt Sapone. Subhookers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brothers and sisters, are we in for one hell of a time today as we wrestle with the devil all the time? Michael Snydell is so not amused by what I'm doing right now. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 uh, I'm mightily entertained. That, that sounded awkward coming out of my mouth. Mightily entertained. <laughs> I have no affiliation with the South whatsoever. So, like, I'm I'm Midwestern. I mean, technically, neither does this movie. Like, this movie is is West uh, Virginia and Ohio. And West Virginia split away from Virginia because they didn't want to be a slave state. So, (laughs) yeah, but it's like quintessentially this is if you mix up no, if you mix up the South and Appalachia. We are going to have to have ourselves a tussle. <laughs> As you can tell. I prefer a kerfuffle. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, boy. So, yes, as I said, uh, we are here today to talk about The Devil All the Time, uh, the newest film from uh, writer-director Antonio Campos. Uh, he co-wrote this with Paolo Campos. This movie stars Robert Pattinson, and uh, I don't know why he's first. Actually, I do know why he's first, because he's the most famous person. Um, <laughs> Tom Holland, Haley Bennett, Riley Keogh, Eliza Scanlon, Mia Vasakoska, Sebastian Stan, Jason Clark. This movie legitimately has like f- 20% of the cast of Lawless in it. <laughs> <laughs> And what percentage of that dies in this movie? <laughs> not not to, you know, riddle us with spoilers right out the front, but I mean, who doesn't die in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Anyway, uh, as I said, our oh. special guest today, Matt Spola. Matt, how you doing? I'm uh, tickled pink in a lot of other colors, too. <laughs> Interesting. Would you like to uh, introduce yourself to anyone listening at home who may not know who you are and what you're all about? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm a critic and I write for, I'm also in Chicago. Uh, I write for the school and the film stage and have popped up a bunch of other places like RogerEbert.com and Bright World Dark Room and some other places. What a surprise. Another guest from Chicago. It's been a while. <laughs> and, and we've had Matt a, a number of times and I'd also like to thank Matt on 
air for joining our uh, Patreon cinephile games. Uh, mm. Even That's though, fun. yeah, I, I, I will say previous guest Max O'Connell, who's also joined, sweeps the floor with us literally every week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll but, you. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm, I wanted Dan Mecca, uh, uh, Brett Weiss, and um, Max O'Connell game of cinephile because it will never end ever <laughs> <laughs> the only game of cinephile with a built-in timelet um wait matt what whole filmography did we go through last week it was a huge actor and they went through everybody um well i mean i don't know about last week i know that like the week before we spent we went through damn near everything samuel jackson did and it took forever yes. that is <laughs> incredible and shocking so many because <laughs> he does a lot of movies but like they're not all big movies no or he doesn't have big parts formula 51 up. yeah he's for- a golf club in that for some reason I, I i've never seen it sure he does doesn't he also <laughs> play like a, an interrogator who has to like beat the nuclear codes out of someone rules of engagement maybe no that's when he's like a marine defending an embassy Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's, if you right. at home would like to be a part of these uh, cinephile games, uh, you can become a patron of this year podcast by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show for as little as $1 an episode. You help to uh, support us in everything that we're doing. Um, again, that is patreon.com slash the film stage show. You can also find us on Twitter at film stage show, Facebook, the film stage show. And of course, email us podcast, the in addition to being brought to you by our fine patrons, we are also brought to you by Movie, which is, again, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Movie premieres a new film, whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece, it's guaranteed to either be a movie that you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before, but you are guaranteed to enjoy. There's always something great to discover on Movie. They've got a bunch of great, awesome, cool little films uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Movies? No, it's... Thank you, Matt. That's... <laughs> a sundry they, selection. They have a great movies, but they have little series. Series is the word I was looking for. A series oh, that yeah. they do. For instance, <laughs> they've currently got Double Bill. I could have helped you with that. Well, you didn't. <laughs> That's the problem, Bill. No one came to my rescue. <laughs> they presently have Double Bill, Renoir, Beginnings and Endings. Um, where you can see Nana, uh, Jean Renoir's 1926 film. Synopsis is as follows. A government official, Count Mufat, falls under the spell of Nana, a young actress. She becomes his mistress, living in the sumptuous apartment which he provides for her. Instead of elevating herself to Mufat's level, however, Nana drags the poor man down to hers. There's a, like uh, that and a whole bunch of other great stuff on here. Uh, they've still got their new Taiwanese cinema series going. And they've got a whole bunch of other stuff. They've got their Rediscovered series going, where you can watch the 2006 Russian film The Lighthouse, which I will only bring up because uh, Robert Pattinson was recently in a movie also called The Lighthouse that has literally nothing to do with this lighthouse. Alina, a young woman from Moscow, returns to the small town in North Armenia where she was born. With war breaking out, she tries to rescue her grandparents, but having arrived at their place, she realizes there is no way out. Lodging with her elderly aunt, Kasinia, Lina has to learn to live with war. 
That is, again, part of their discovered, rediscovered series. So, again, if you would like a free 30 trial movie, all you got to do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. Uh, before we get into our feature review, let's take a brief second for our COVID corner. How's everyone doing? I'm going to take the silence as just inertia, Ooh. and everyone's yeah, doing yeah. great. Uh, my mom is still doing okay. Uh, she had to get a second check uh, to make sure she's COVID-free. Um, and I spent two hours uh, adding fans to my computer today, so... That's what I've been doing. I mean, adding fan, like like cooling fans. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Yes. <laughs> Thought you meant like OnlyFans <laughs> or something. Um, but what? Oh, <laughs> Bill no, has an no. OnlyFans no. account. No one knows uh, that. No, no. <laughs> my my fiance would be pissed if that happened. All he does anyway. is sit there combing his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> hey, someone's probably into that. <laughs> he makes two thousand dollars a day. He's putting all of us to shame. <laughs> Uh, Matt Spola, how's uh, COVID been treating you all? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the funny thing, because it's like I was on here five months ago when we talked about true history of the Kelly gang and nothing's changed. <laughs> I mean, in terms of like behavioral patterns, it's more or less the same, but it's with different things. Like I was talking about playing video games like five months ago, whereas like, what was it? It was like my my Twin Peaks binge or watching Showgirls three times in 10 hours. Um. It's yeah, I, it's about what you'd expect. I don't know. I I have a brand and I don't deviate from that. So I, if if nothing else, I'm proud of that. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's there's nothing new over here either. Still working my ass off and still trying to keep sane. Uh, Maryland is in phase three of opening right now, so that means that like certain things are able to open if like the municipalities agree. And I'm just wondering like how. How close does the theater have to open before I finally just take the risk? Because I can't. It's, no, I wouldn't do it. Well, it's funny because over here they have, I think there's six local Alamo draft houses and they were open, but they didn't have very much to play, obviously. And they were doing like all these like, uh, you know extended or special kind of considerations of cleaning and all this other shit. Anyways, uh, they had six theaters open. They shut down four of them because they just were not doing any business. Due to lack of interest. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, okay, we're going to focus in on these two and just hope everything goes, goes well for the foreseeable (laughs) future. It's like, yeah, this is not working people. I I, said it's, that I, is I better by... than large masses getting sick, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, I'd it's rather not no one a bad up, thing, yeah. but it's it's just it's weird that they went ahead and opened six instead of opening two, and right, then you start like, the platform, platform yeah. release. <laughs> platform yeah, release the concept of going back to a movie theater. <laughs> yeah, let's let's market test it. So, yep, Absolutely. they did not do that very well. Nope. No, uh, are they doing drive-in stuff then? Uh, no, I don't really have a lot of interest in doing the drive-in thing, but there is a couple. Um, I mean, I've been to the one that we have that's kind of famous. It's over in like the Waxahachie area, which is just outside of the DFW kind of Metroplex area. Um, I, you know, I mean, again, 
I don't know what the fuck I'm going to watch because I keep getting screeners for shit that we watch. So, or I watch shit on Netflix. So I don't even know what I'm going to go out to go see. I guess there's that, uh, what is it? Russell Crowe movie that I heard. Like, a very, yeah. <laughs> oh, I heard God. this very disturbing, like PSA from him. I was just yeah. like, Oh Jesus Christ. Um, I, I couldn't tell if that was a bit or if that was just him. <laughs> Just be pissed that his movie's probably not going to make any money. Um, probably both. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think. I, I hope he didn't take point. points on the back end. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. It's it's funny. It's it's just one of those situations where I mean, it's it's a cycle that just cannot or cannot make up for itself because it's just like there's no movies the or there's no movies really out except for Tenant, and so theaters aren't open. Right. Because there aren't any movies and there aren't any movies because theaters aren't open. It's just like, OK, well, fuck, like, what are we doing here? I guess I guess I'll watch WandaVision, I guess. I, I would literally rather kill myself. Um, <laughs> it looks silly. It looks like it looks a sorry. complete fucking waste of time. Um, I just I can't. My my like my earnest hope is that like they'll just they'll never bring back fucking marvel movies like this will <laughs> that this luck. will devastate the the hollywood system so much that they're like we have to like make movies for 50 million dollars just in case we need to lock down and need to make the money on vod oh, this is the return of the mid-budget like the uh, 50 year olds uh temple like yeah. november release exactly yeah, so, so, what you're saying is, so what you're saying is like all these 2019 pushed off releases of like james bond and fast and the furious are now going to be like once a year kind of event movies where it's just like all right fuck it here's this 250 million dollar movie that we made five years ago but is back baby right. Let's as, do it, it. as it used to be you'd get like one kind of into that <laughs> <laughs> over six figures every year um that or like i was gonna say that or maybe just release them all in one weekend and you have a multiplex of like 21 screens <laughs> but you don't have any like you don't have any indicators or like little led marquees so people don't know what they're going to see and then there's a bouncer <laughs> who keeps them in there and so they end up seeing something it probably won't matter anyways what they end up seeing of the dozens of choices um they, and then they, they just the trade TV it out every week they see the TV edit of Showgirls. Yeah, the, with the floating with the floating bra. With the floating bras, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the cross dissolved out before the pool scene. <laughs> all Marvel movies on all of them, and one of them is a new Marvel movie. And every, if you go in the wrong one, you see an old Marvel movie. You still pay the same price. And it's like with with previews and everything, you are fucked because you were there for three hours. <laughs> Oh Christ! That, cool. Yeah, I don't know. The, the, some, the, the best, the best part of that is if they do like all the Marvel movies, but you get previews, nothing but Marvel movies, the ones that you're not seeing, and then at the end they do like three in a row of the new movie that you're also not seeing. <laughs> oh man! <sighs> so anyway, now that we've <laughs> gone on that tangent for some reason, let's talk about a movie that pe- people can see. At home on their uh, televisions, it's the devil all the time. Uh, the newest film from writer director Antonio Campos, uh, starring Tom Holland, who is in a Marvel film as Spider Man, uh, Robert Pattinson, who's in a DC film as Batman. <laughs> 
Sebastian, Sebastian Stan. Stan, who is in a Marvel uh-huh. film as the Winter Soldier. Um, I'm sure that is Mia Wasikowski not like a, an X Men or some shit. You, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. That's that's a good question. I feel like she must be in something, but it doesn't appear so. She was in Crimson Peak, right? No, she was sir? Alice in Alice yeah. through the Looking Glass and uh, Alice in Wonderland. So there's that. She's in there. She's in that Disney family. There we go. There we go. She got them 3D bucks. Bill Skarsgård, who is uh, Pennywise the Clown in It, and is also in Deadpool, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But he's anyway. He's kind of hot in this movie and makes me uncomfortable that I think he's hot in this movie. So, <laughs> You're not one of those people who was like, why am I turned on by Pennywise? I, I, no, I, I wasn't turned on by Duke either though so I, I i feel like that's a certain sect that i've never been a part of you're in the ass crack of the venn diagram you're just <laughs> not in it just like sitting in that valley just like praying to like god it. that you don't sink inside of it yeah <laughs> anyway uh so the devil all the time presently on netflix streaming uh it was when i when i watched it on Saturday, I guess it was apparently the number four movie on their platform. I think the day before it was number one. When I watched it, it was number one. I think. Damn. So it's another great, yeah, other great company like Love and the Nut Job. <laughs> I don't know. I, Wait, I don't love know. the Gaspar Noé. Yeah, or the, when that was like, yeah. yeah, no, no, the fucking Gaspar Noé because people get real horny during quarantine apparently, but they don't want to look at the internet, so they go to Netflix instead. Right, it's awkward to just like they, they, lock they yourself want, in a room their, on a re- yeah, on red tube or something. <laughs> they specifically want Carl Glassman. I mean, how could you not? Uh, anyway, here is the trailer. Happy birthday, Happy birthday, honey! Happy birthday to you. Well, this was your daddy's. Brought back from the war. I figure it's time to pass it on. It's the best present I ever got. Thank you. All right. So that's the trailer for The Devil All the Time. I have tried to explain to six different people the plot of this movie. And uh, words have usually failed me, so I'm just going to go with what IMDb says, which is sinister characters converge around a young man devoted to protecting those he loves in a post-war backwoods town teeming with corruption and brutality. Which I guess is like a sixth of this movie, so why not? (laughs) Um, This movie is uh, from director Antonio Campos who has directed uh, at least one movie that I really liked, um, and that was Simon Killer. Uh, I have not seen After School. I have not seen Christine. Christine was his last film. <clears throat> I have not seen The Sinner, which apparently he directed a bunch of episodes of. Um, but yeah, here we are to talk about this movie, which has stirred up some, I don't even want to call it controversy, some some jollity on the internet i mean c- compared to cuties <laughs> right when yeah. when people found out that robert pattinson <sighs> did like refused to dial a coach and just premiered his accent on the first day of shooting uh it became a, a light meme over the weekend um 
You will be shocked to know if you have not watched this movie before listening to this podcast, but are aware of that, that he's in like 15 minutes of this movie. So anyway, so are a lot of the people in this movie. Right, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> and oh, even, there are some people who get the short end of the stick here. Yeah. Spoilers for this movie are going to be weird. I feel like we're going to have to jump into it pretty quickly because like there's 17 stories and some of them end very early. And, um, <laughs> you know, the shock of what occurs is often uh, like the selling point of this film. So let's uh, let's talk about it. let's see what we all thought. We begin, as always, with our guest, Matt Sapolo. What did you think of The Devil all the time? Uh, um, it's it's fine. I don't know. Well, the thing is, I, I first watched it on Friday when I reviewed it for the film stage. And I thought it was it was fine, but that was like a pushing it. So like C plus minus. But I rewatched it again today. And I maybe I it's 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 just so rocky in terms of there are, there are stretches of maybe like like a half hour 40 minutes where i'm at least intrigued enough to say it's decent for what it's trying to be and then it will just come to a grinding halt when it jumps to another story and it's like of course when you have it's not necessarily in a thought like a movie that is built off of vignettes most of the time they're not all going to be great like that's to be expected but the that's not really the issue here the issue here is that it's just it seems almost like stubbornly unaware of the dark comedy that is in so much of this movie because it's such a tragedy to the point where it's like what are the chances of all these people being either so terrible or subjected to such terrible things to the point where it's like it's almost cruelly funny at a point and that was my main issue with it is because it's like it doesn't know if it's bitter or if it's cynical and they're two different things because it's like if you're cynical then that implies you actually have some sort of moral code and you have a distrust of other people's morality or ethics and when you're bitter, it's just sort of like it, it's more of just sort of a a nondescript aggressiveness towards others or towards your audience. Like I was describing this to Michael. I was like, when I think of bitter, I think of like a Lars Buncher movie. When I think of cynical, I think of something that is much more just a satire. Like things can be playful and bitter, but you have to understand where that misanthropy is coming from. And I don't think this movie does. So instead, it's pretty much up to the actors. Um, some of them get their due. Some of them don't get anything to do. Um, it, I don't know. Campos's direction is fine. It doesn't have a lot of texture, but Lal Crowley, if you, that's how you say his name, shot it. And I really like his work. Um, he shot 45 years and the Andrew Hay movie. And he also shot Vox Lux. Um, so he has a really good, it, surprisingly, apparently this is shot on 35. It doesn't look like it. it's really crisp. Um, so technically speaking, it is more or less as as conflicted with itself as its characters are, which is kind of funny because it seems completely unintentional. So, I mean, it has its moments, but I can't really, I wouldn't say I would, I would have watched it again if it wasn't coming on here. All right. Bill Graham. Mm. Um, it was really upsetting to see how many people Spider-Man kills. Um, is that a spoiler? Yes, that's a spoiler. Know. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, you you come for the for for that, right? You I mean, are the that's... person on this podcast who will most often say like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Batman's parents die, guys. Spoiler, <laughs> like that's, and you're just out here being like, "The end of the movie is." Well, I didn't say it was the end of the movie. Oh right. my god! Okay. <laughs> well, I think we collectively said it now. <laughs> yes, we have the I will devil either... all the time, not the devil at the end or the devil some of the time. The so. devil inside. I am um, so okay. So <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I guess we'll get to it when I get to it. But I, I just want to do like 15 minutes on the title of this movie. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, um, yeah, it, this movie, I, I agree with Matt. Um, it, it's up and down. There's a lot of things that I kind of enjoy uh, there. <laughs> uh, talk about this movie that s- seems real weird. Um, I really like how much uh, kind of interweaving there actually is but it does seem a little ridiculous and and you have to kind of go with it because otherwise this isn't going to be a very interesting movie if it's just like one of these storylines right um it's it's how they kind of intersect and how they kind of weave together that becomes uh, i think interesting um sometimes it's very hard to fathom that you know uh certain actions lead to other things uh but Overall, I enjoyed bits and pieces of this, but as a whole, um, look, it's over two hours. You know what that does to me, um, and yeah, it's it's just so rocky in so many different ways, and so many of the characters are just not likable in in like even the slightest shred. So this film does a very good job of you know uh giving you enough ammunition to basically hate just about every single one of these characters um which is sometimes hard hard to sit down and watch um i also had an issue where i guess i don't know i mean this isn't necessarily a reflection of the movie but it's definitely a reflection of how you're going to end up watching it i had to watch it on my uh computer and the uh the colors on there the the darks and everything like that just the streaming quality today i guess was just fucking dog shit i don't know um i was getting a lot of artifacting and weird shit that i was not expecting um to the point where i i thought about transferring over to a different device um which is Hmm. weird but i don't know uh yeah that's uh i think that's all about uh, all i want to say about this so far um oh and uh watch out for spiders all right michael snydell you know as uh riley keogh poignantly says when uh sebastian stan walks out her door <clears throat> that's kind of what i think of this movie but let me go into detail uh <laughs> yeah i i thought this was um I'll piggyback off what Matt was saying. I wish this was much, much more lurid and juicy than it is. I I think everything is way too sober in this, given how insane some of these characters are. Uh, You know, in particular, someone like Keo, who seems to be making... No, she doesn't even get to make a meal. She she gets she gets an appetizer of this movie. Uh, Pattinson very much makes a meal of, of this movie, and I liked this the most when it was doing it. But otherwise, I just found it so drippy from uh, Saunders and uh, Guernsey, I, I believe, is is uh, the two composers who've done some wonderful, really interesting work, uh, even on uh, Campus's last film, Christine. Um, yeah, this this is just a movie that I think I, I think one it is based on a book from uh, uh, sorry Donald Ray Pollock, and this was a, a big uh, 
sorry, a breakout for him. And he's from Knock'em Stiff, actually, one of the places that's repeatedly mentioned throughout this film. And um, I, you can definitely tell that this is this is a tough thing to adapt. You, you literally have the author doing the narration. You literally have, um, you know, it's it, it's not ultimately that important to, you know, diagram the timeline, but it's not unusual for this film to say seven years forward, give you one scene, jump four years back, and then jump eight years. <laughs> like there's, <laughs> there's literally a sequence that jumps 20 uh, 20 years back and forth in about a two and a half minute segment. And I just, uh, I just had a really hard time caring uh, about a lot of these characters. I think people are giving their, their best when they want to, but I, I also just don't think, I, I don't know why campus took like such a, like it's, it's just so weirdly, um, it's just like not punch drunk at all. Like it's not what you expect. Like I kept hearing like Southern Gothic, hillbilly Gothic. And I, as uh, before we started, uh, you, you all were giving me shit because this does not take place in the South, but it has that certain texture, at least to me. It was filmed in Alabama. So fuck all of you. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> And we all know yeah. Michael Snydell is a, a student of botany. And so as an arborist, he was able to see the trees and say, oh, I can't forget that this is not in the South. Oh, it's just ruining it for me. Apparently the South looks just like the Solomon Islands, though, which I think is funny. It, yeah. Is, is yeah. That a, it's Is that a... I, I, Go ahead, Matt. What, what did you mean? What do you mean with Solomon Islands? It looks like the South. Oh, no, because there's a there's like 15 or 20 minutes and there's a flashback um, to one of the characters fighting in the Solomon Islands. And oh, I was like, oh, okay. you just turned the camera around 180 degrees. <laughs> right. They found, they found a, a, a hill where all the trees had been cut down. And they're like, if we just, you know, put some smoke, it'll seem like it was bombed. Yeah. 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 I, I, I guess what I would say as well is I think... This seems to be a film that wants to say something about faith and sacrifice, but by the end, it just kind of felt like a means to an end uh, to talk about like fate and destiny and the way that so many of these characters were cosmically fucked. <laughs> um, and I, I guess the other thing I'd say is I feel like just a lot of other things have done this better like I, I jumped to Place Beyond the Pines, uh, Indignation, Mudbound, all of those I think have explored these themes in a less rushed, less elaborate way. But I, I am willing to admit that there is a kernel of something that if it was bridged together, um, maybe with you know more natural narration, more natural moving around, I think there is something to the story, but as it exists now, I just wanted it to be more fun. <laughs> I was I was pretty bored for most of this. All right. Uh, I loved this movie. Uh, unequivocally, <laughs> this movie fucking rules. I um I was like in from minute one. I and it's funny that uh that Matt, you said that this movie wasn't funny because I found it I mean hilarious at times. <laughs> it's like That's just okay we can talk about that yeah i mean it's it's this movie this movie 
The second that there is a, for, I'll just start with. It makes sense that it's you know got the the um the the cinematographer from Vox Lux because I feel that um, I am all about this kind of Appalachia backwoods craziness you know from justified to lawless to to everything to the 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 short stories of Breestige pancake you know to everything Corn McCarthy's ever done like this this is so my shit that it was like oh thanks i need to write this man antonio campos and um and the the author of the novel which i now fully intend on reading uh donald ray pollock i need to like write them a nice handwritten card that's just like hey i don't know how you like reached into my dreams and made this movie out of them but i appreciate it you did good work um it's it's there's just everything that i could possibly love is in this movie there's a point where the the narrator, which this you know reminds me of Vox Lux. It also at times reminded me of uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. I mean, the the narrator is like, as this one man was meeting the woman who he would marry, you know, this other guy was meeting the woman that he would marry. You know, they would call their victims, and I was like, what do you mean they would call their victims? Like, how are we jumping there already? And so I'm just immediately caught up in this. And I think the moment I knew that I was going to love this movie is when the, the the narrator says, like, this woman had prayed for her son to get home from World War II safely. And she said that if he did, she would make sure that he married, like, this very pious young woman whose, like, family had died in a fire. And she was worried that if he didn't, then you know, some horrible, like, curse would befall her family. And by that point, we have already seen him living in a house with a child with a different woman. And I was just like, oh, sweet. I know exactly where this movie's going, and I can't wait to see it. It's going to be so great. And it was. It was It was totally awesome. And I had a lot of fun with this. I liked the the fadedness i liked the kind of written quality of every single thing that happens where you just like you see two characters about to interact and you know because it's almost like a biblical story like what must happen and so you you're able to kind of sidestep the otherwise like surprising aspect of like this weird you know mountain gothic soap opera that's going on in order to just appreciate the craft and the performances and and everything else that's going on. And when you can feel what it's kind of building towards, um, you get like a kind of a, a sense of like almost righteous satisfaction at the way that this is all going to turn out. And so I fucking loved this. I can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait to read the uh, the book. And I'm almost certain that given the kind of year that we've had, that this is going to be one of my top 10 films of the year. So fuck all, right. all of you. Well, hey, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I'm I'm always of the opinion that I I want someone on this podcast at least to enjoy the movie that we watch. It's it's very upsetting to spend two hours watching something and then do a podcast for you know two hours and nobody has shit good to say. Well, that's like why when Amanda film. Waltz came back and we had to in, uh, review Relic, we were just like. Let's spend an hour talking about literally anything else. Yes. <laughs> let's uh, review that, the movie in, in half an hour, and then let's spend another hour talking about literally anything else. 
Yeah, I still need to catch up on that conversation. That was great. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, it's it's always good to have somebody that's positive on on at least you know <laughs> on these movies. Sometimes it just feels like a drubbing when when all of us don't enjoy the movie and we've all spent collective you know six seven hours of man hours <laughs> like watching something and then we get on here and we're like oh nobody liked it okay awesome um so yeah, yeah I, I mean. mean- if, if if lawless is your shit if um you know the, those those other films are kind of in your alley then yeah i can see you really digging and enjoying this um that being said this does have a very different kind of uh what is it uh format versus those other films oh well, yeah that's pretty, pretty that's what i would linear. say it's got like the kind of environmental texture of lawless like there's there's so many scenes in this where i'm like oh mia vasikovska is singing in a wood panel church <laughs> i might as well be watching lawless again um you know what's his face uh the guy who's always kind of a hard ass jason clark jason clark uh, is riding an old-timey car looking like he just woke up from a bender i might as well be watching lawless um but I mean, it's it, yeah, the, the the environmental texture is there, but it has a lot more of the the soul of like the elegiac moments of of assassination of Jesse James, but also like the kind of wry, cynical humor of like Vox Lux. Like <laughs> I think of the scene in Vox Lux where Willem Dafoe's narrator is talking about the fact that like. Natalie Portman's character just believes that the whole world is out to get her, even though she is like 100% the architect of everything that's gone wrong with her. Mm-hmm. And that this movie has a lot of that, that feeling though. There is a read to this movie where it is literally just like, yeah, this, this one woman made a silent entreaty to God and he made her wish come true. And because she wasn't able to fulfill her end of the bargain, like 16 people had to die. Uh, see, you know, I didn't even put that, that that together until just now. So that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, like I said, I heard that line in the narration and I was like, oh, these people are fucked. Like, so nothing good I, I is going to happen through this whole movie. Fucked. I knew he was fucked. But yeah, I, I I forgot because of the fucking timeline jumping and all, the, all that shit. I forgot the narrative thread of, yeah, this is, yeah, he's paying for all of this and everybody else is dying around him. Okay. Yeah. I, I liked I liked the timeline jumping. I liked the kind of um, again like that kind of written gothic kind of space time quality that it gives to it. It's a very it's a very literary thing to do, um, and I I enjoyed it. I like I love like I said I I really liked every moment of this movie, and I I knew that I was probably going to be alone on that because again my tastes are so specific and this movie seemed to be geared precisely for me that I was like, well, I know Michael's not going to like this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there might be some scenes that Bill enjoys, but I don't think he's going to be all on board all over it. Yep. So, yeah. And then I was like, and then I'll just assume that since Michael, you know, is the person responsible for getting guests that he's going to get someone who hates it too. <laughs> well, I don't hate it. You don't. I'm, I know. So I'm that's good. Mixed. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> 
right, let's, I don't know. let's start yeah. talking about the the nitty gritty. Well, details. no, I, Michael's let's... got a look on his face that I want to explore. Um, I, I, no, he's 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 had a, a look on for that. the last like five yeah. minutes because <laughs> we are on video for once, so, so Brian can see my incredulity. <laughs> <laughs> outlined everything he loved about this I, so i this movie rules <laughs> okay so i i i, I mean I, I guess i have a, a question like you know i like all the things you mentioned i, I like lawless uh a decent amount i like hill code stuff i like the prep uh, the i almost said the preposition, the, the preposition. The preposition. <laughs> speaking of parts like- of phrases i do have to say that i was geared to dislike this movie because of the title the devil all Hold the time you, you can't you can't jump in yet let michael finish this thing and then you can go on your no, I, i'm good with the preposition I, i'm okay. good with the preposition tangent are you kidding me go, go ahead i'm an english major so like i i have i have this issue with certain titles where they feel like they just ripped a sentence apart and picked out a cool sounding passage from the sentence so the fact that this is called the devil all the time, I was just like, oh, so the object of a sentence and then it's like adverb, adjectival phrase. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, it's, that's every cop movie, too. Yeah. So it's I was similar. That's how. Yeah, that's how they came up. That's how Edgar Ray came up with the title for Hot Buzz. He's just like, it's a random asinine adjective and then a noun. Yeah, and then that, they're just like, OK, cool. Put it in a blender. But at least you could say like <laughs> hot fuzz is in totality like the noun the object you know it's like this this is the hot fuzz oh okay great like it's like the beatles doesn't make any sense but it's the beatles but there was like a lot of those emo bands that i hated growing up had names that were like this like it was just the day yeah exactly (laughs) x fuck exactly give me the horizon or bring, bring me the, the horizon. Yeah, bring, yeah, bring me the horizon. <laughs> right, yes. I hate <laughs> shit like that. Um, I feel like even Explosions in the Sky was one of those things where I was like, what are you talking yeah. about? Taking back Sunday? <laughs> From whom? And who's we taking it back? <laughs> I mean, Explosions in the Sky is just fireworks, right? Like, yeah. That's- or, or yeah, the space okay. shuttle. Like, who even knows? Like, it could oh, be anything. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it depends on context. But anyway, so I was like, oh, I got to watch this fucking movie called The Devil All the Time. And then it started. I was like, oh, no, I should have had more faith. This is awesome. But anyway, Michael, your incredulity. Let's let's touch Blast on that. Vermeer. But my incredulity is because I think this movie is so dry and not in a wry way, not in a way that represents like the, uh, you know, the vicious irony of something like uh, the Coens or, you know, someone who's even a little bit more antagonistic like Yorgos or something. Like, I I, I think this movie, like, it's, it's fascinating to me that you mentioned someone like Cormac McCarthy. You mentioned something like, again, Hillcoat. You mentioned something like Assassination of Jesse James. I, I mean, I suppose Assassination of Jesse James is – less soap opera than, than those other ones. But um, like this movie is so self-serious that to me, it's like those comedic moments almost slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. I, and it's like Campos forgot to like scrub them out. Like, I, I think it's fascinating that there are sequences and I think it's certain performers. Like I, I thought, I thought Tom Holland was extremely boring in this, but then like, Riley Keough and J- Jason Clark. I-, I liked their 
early way of interacting. I, I was less into it when it became like more of a, a you know, a homily about it. But um, I just think that the you are right. Like some of those things about like or, or when uh, Helen is killed to prove his face, the faith, and he tries to resurrect her. How, how he got <laughs> bit by the spider. Uh, by the way, uh, that is the scene stealer from um, Meal, Meal Ticket, Ticket. Yep. And, and Buster Scruggs. It's the the Dursley uh, son of a bitch. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah yes, he's also funny. in Old Guard. Yes. What, what is and, Old Guard? Oh, old the other Netflix movie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't make it through that one. Uh, I like it. Uh, yeah. So like, I, I thought like, for instance, when spiders bit his face and he hid in a closet for two weeks, like I, I thought that stuff was good, but I think at a certain point that certain, um, that certain prophetic quality you're speaking of becomes so perfunctory and it's not even like it has the you know rube goldberg domino style satisfaction that comes with something like hellcoats or the like you know blaze of glory that like hellcoat just like revels in like it's this movie it it just felt like uh the material was undercooked and the filmmaking was overcooked to me like i i guess i just i don't I feel like I have a decent sense of who people are in a Hellcoat movie. I have a great sense in an assassination of uh, the, the coward Robert Ford. Yeah, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I have a great sense, but like, I don't feel like I know any of these characters in other any other way than who their birthright is. Like, it, it was just it was weird to me because I felt like. Each of these, you know, pieces of punctuation where another character dies, like it, it should have left a lingering impact. But then you, you just go to a new story and new people like uh, there's two people that Sebastian Stan kills near the end of this movie that we meet in one scene. <laughs> and Did I, you need I, more time with them? <laughs> no, I mean, I had no idea who they were. Like it just... Everything, or it's not everything, but again, the moments I enjoyed feel like they snuck through the cracks. Like things like Pattinson, who's like a complete monster, but is able to get like, is able to be mesmerizing, for instance, when someone is, without any context, is uh, confessing sins of, of lust. And you can hear him wanting to hear the details, like yes. Robert Pattinson. Like, and, and I think that stuff, I, I mean, it gets closer to the soapiness, but then like everything else is just like hammered, it, it, like hammered without, I don't know, maybe I just, maybe I needed more uh, grace notes in this or something. I just have no sense of who any of these characters were. And by the end, I'm like, oh, of course they die. Of course they die. We're going to another person. Oh, I guess they're investigating that. Like, it's just, on one hand, I can understand where you're coming from about that, like, the certain simultaneous nature of all these timelines and things like that. But, like, as it exists here, this thing feels like, Again, so stiff, and like they left it in the oven an hour too long. <laughs> I'm just shocked at the concept of this movie feeling stiff. Like this movie is so 
like gonzo grotesquerie like nuts that I just I can't I can't imagine finding it to be stiff. It's so it's so rich in irony and and cynicism that it's I just I just it can't I can't understand like this let's, this let's give some examples. Let's give some examples and see if we agree, see if we disagree. Like like I mean Michael like you know you're you're talking about kind of undercooked overcooked like what do you think about the storyline of of Clark and Keogh? Like you I think you said you liked it at first, right? Their interactions at first have been I, I think I like it at first, and then I just um, yeah. Are, are we in spoilers? Can I say? I yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we haven't it. said it, but like, we're definitely spoiling I, this movie right now. It's like, hard like, not like to. I, I, I joked about it in my intro, but <laughs> Michael full on was like, yeah. You did mention that, like, Roy stabbed his wife in the throat and then tried to resurrect her. Yes, I was just did like, say that, yeah. Right. I mean, that's in the first 15 minutes! Right, okay, but here's the thing. Like so, 30, 35 minutes. I'm watching this movie, and, I, I mean, like, we had talked earlier, sort of, about, like, people getting the short end of the sure. stick, and I just, like, <laughs> you got Mia Vasakoska, she shows up, she falls in love with this preacher, she goes for a ride with him, and then the narrator's like, They'd find her body seven years later, and I was just like, "She fucking died!" <laughs> like, see, what that, the shit? see, that is that is darkly amusing. But then they undercut it. I think in a weird sort of way, this movie has too much of a visual sense because it leaves nothing to the imagination. Because it says like they would find her body, she was murdered. I was like, "Oh Jesus!" But the thing is, like two minutes later, they show it. So I'm like, "Okay." Or even something else like we were talking earlier about. Um, Bill Skarsgård's characters being like fighting in the Solomon Island. The thing is, I think there is a you're taking a massive leap in terms of a larger uh, implying a larger context when you're actually showing a location or showing a trauma as opposed to referencing it mm-hmm. or exploring it in any other way. But once you attach visuals to it, then you set a completely different precedent. Like this is I, it was weird just in terms of the time, I, the timing in which I watched this because. I watched a totally different movie, but like I watched this five days after the the nest Sean Durkin's movie with Carrie Coon. Great movie. But that movie specifically, like it is the mid eighties Reaganomics. But the thing is they only, there are only very fleeting references to it. it like in radio broadcasts that the characters essentially are null to. And so it essentially, it, be, it is living, breathing wallpaper paper, but here like the texture is too upfront in a, in a weird sort of way to the point where it, it leads to something and it, it alludes to some ambiguity, whether it's moral or narratively. And then it just sort of solidifies it. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm not thinking about it anymore. In like, so in, in, so in what way, like you didn't like the fact that you saw the crucified Marine. I mean, I guess it's not like it was disturbing. It's just that it was, you can make, you can make references to something, but I feel like, specifically in this sort of movie when you're juggling so many themes specifically so many narrative threads you either have to allude to or imply something where it actually provokes the audience into getting into the characters heads or you have to go all out like i think a lot i i think actually the best idea would be for this movie to be like three three and a half hours like go in spend way more time with all of these characters i think you would be less driven to jump back and forth between the timelines I'm not saying you have to make like Colonel Blimp, but like do something that is <laughs> more 
like do, I at least go all in, which is why I feel like this movie is oddly half cooked. It's like the type of thing like there's that internet capital D discourse about like movies either being a tight ninety or being like three and a half hours. None of this like two hour twenty minute bullshit. Give me something that's <laughs> epic and sprawling, or get me in and get me out of it. You either give me Blade Runner twenty forty nine or you give me Crawl. I was gonna say the Irishman or Thoroughbreds, but okay. No, Crawl will always be my go-to for, like, the tight 90. There are a lot. Yeah, yeah, there are definitely some. I need to um, see someone get their arm bitten off by an alligator. I I guess I can understand yeah, that. Yeah, what, I mean, what like, the fuck? That wasn't in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they're too far north to allow for that kind of uh, fauna. Um, the crocodiles can be in Okay, they're invasive Important. species all over the country. <laughs> All we, all we have to look. You, you know those spiders weren't local. Come on, get the fuck out. I know. Of here. I mean, look yeah, at him bringing the invasive digital species. <laughs> the digital, the fucking realm. digital. Well, no, that actually. I think that was the first point where I was like, and it, again, it was. It's pretty much innocuous to all my other complaints with this movie. But when I saw those CG ass, pixely ass spiders <laughs> fall on his face, I was just like, no, I'm sorry, guys, no, just get someone who can pour spiders on. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Or, or if Harry Melling do... is not willing to pour fucking actual <laughs> spiders on his face, he does not have the dedication necessary. You know what's funny though is that I wonder if that's an ASPCA thing and not an actor well, thing. Well, yeah, I, I mean, maybe, but I don't know. It's if in a perfect world, everyone would be throwing spiders on themselves twenty four seven, just like <laughs> when fucking like. Be like in the fucking like first Everybody's twenty minutes. Real. Yeah, no, everything is real. Dogma ninety five. It the it's like completely different. Like I still think it's one trivia thing that makes me laugh a lot is like in you know a movie exactly like this, Bride of Chucky. In the first twenty minutes, when Jennifer Tilly is picking up this ven- venomous tarantula, they're like, "You can't do that. It's gonna sting you and kill you." She's like, "It's fine. I want to do it." And like I want vacation. <laughs> Jennifer Tilly sent some shit, man. She was like, "If if I'm gonna go out, it's gonna be in a Chucky movie." You know, I'm not I'm not the bride of Chucky for nothing. Oh yeah, totally. Um, spoilers oh, for Bride and Chucky. Of course. Uh, so so I I guess I would say like I don't know I I didn't feel that the amount that was shown or when it was shown took away because like the the whole so like just to use Mia Vasakaska's death. Um, so she, she is, you know, they say like, she, you know, was found seven years later and was murdered. Yeah. She, she would never see her child again. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, oh shit, that's obviously not good. And I'm assuming that her husband did it. And then to see, cause like the movie, like will leave you with that for like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. And you're just like, I can't like, why would that happen? Like that's such, it feels as though it is such a random cruel baseless thing to do to someone but then like seeing the context of why it happens in in a way makes it worse but also better because like you're seeing that it is like a motivated act because her her crazy ass faith healer husband got himself bit by a spider and then went crazy and then believed that he had resurrectory powers and he killed her and he was going to turn himself in. And his crippled brother rightly says, like, you're going to go and you're going to tell the cops it was an accident. When what it really was, was a man 
who believed that he could kill his wife and raise her from the dead, which is just crazy. You're going to be a crazy murderer. And well, I mean, he, he puts it in a much finer detail where he's like, like, we buried the body. We cannot yes. call this an accident anymore. Like, this is this has gone beyond that. Um, although I, I still feel like if if you bury a body, you can still claim that this is an accident because like, you know, a, a normal person does not usually kill somebody. So, you know, there's all of that. Who's going to say in, what go- you do. Yes. Like, like put yourself in that situation and then, and then see how you act. Like, you know, it can still be an accident, but uh, that's neither here nor there. What was I, the crazy I, ass thing that I, Oh, it was about attacking a janitor. I, when I said like, I wouldn't do that. And then backtracked and was like, well, you never know what you're doing until you're tested. So yeah, unless you <laughs> accidentally yes. kill your wife and then uh, think that you can raise her from the dead, but you can't, who knows? But I mean, like, who let you know? Bound to happen to one of us, statistically. Um, so, like, I I found that to be enjoyable. Like that that cut the cruelty a little bit because you could see that there was something there, and it's it's this the the same reason that she was drawn to him in the first place. Um, his fanatical devotion to the Lord, which eventually led her to being murdered. And then I was just like, wait, so then what does, did he just like run away? Like, how did this happen? And then he gets picked up by the serial killers and they're not even good at it yet. Yeah. Who are just fucking cruising (laughs) around, just like looking for people like, man, we got to get people some cars. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Michael. I mean, are you talking about Jason Clark or are you talking about... The, I'm not the, king shaming. Jason no, Clark I'm wants to be cucked. Yeah, yeah. It was which character are you saying? You were Carl joking. Carl Henderson. But... <laughs> he wants oh, to be cucked. He, 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 was, he, he wants to take pictures. Yeah, he was yeah. He wants to Jason Clark. He just he yeah. took it one step too far. I mean, Ooh. consent with the pictures, but maybe he took it two steps too far. Did you mean the murder? Carl. <laughs> yeah took pictures when they didn't want it and then you know murdered them so like i you know it's it's interesting matt because i hear your statement like maybe they should have made it like three hours long and i just i don't know i kind of liked i liked that they were kind of like speeding through stuff like i i was willing to roll with the movie when i thought i wasn't gonna get like a bunch of these answers and i was surprised at the fact that they did give me answers like i was i was super surprised that we got um mia vasikoska's death scene and and everything that went beyond that like i uh I just I found this to be, uh, you know, this is one of those things where it's like I could easily see someone being like, hey, HBO, like maybe we should make this a miniseries. And then you are with these people too much and you do kind of get sick of them. Like I was this. It almost felt like when you go to a bar and you run into a group of people and like you spend like three hours drunk with them and then you leave and you're like, that was just enough. If I had to like exist (laughs) around those people, I would fucking kill myself. But like that was fine because now I get to go home and like Tom Holland falling asleep in, in a hippies van, which I was, I was just waiting for him to be like, so what's your name stranger. And then for the hippie to be like, I'm Charles Manson. Yeah. I was was definitely waiting for that. I was like, okay, well the, the other thing that I was thinking was that this movie would be a great lead into pet cemetery 
um, because he buries <laughs> those bones in that in that graveyard where, like, I think uh, four people have died or something like that. So, so here's you know. here's the question: If you go to pet cemetery and just bury bones, do you then raise up a bone dog? I don't. Know. That'd be cool. I want to try that. This will be our second week talking how, about how bone is, dogs. How is it? How is it connected? Is it connected via just like Magic? ghostly manners? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'm into this. I'm into this. Yeah. Tim Burton's making this movie right now. <laughs> yeah, it's God, called Frank and Winnie. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's really Frank and Winnie. It's Frank and Winnie uh, 2, colon, Bone Dog. I, I just wanted to say, he buries the dog and the gun there. Wouldn't the rain immediately flush that out? I think to him it was more symbolic. Also, like... As was everything for this movie. How, how, how rainy does it get, Michael? What the fuck? Yeah, what's the average rainfall it's in Knock'em Stiff? I have no idea. <laughs> it's Alabama, so fuck y'all. <laughs> it's, it's Ohio. I have no um, idea what the situation in Alabama is like. I don't know. I don't. I don't think hurricanes. I, I, think, I think generally, when you bury stuff at least a few inches deep, you can you can kind of rest assured that it's going to stay that way, especially in an area like that. Well, the house is burned it down. Out. It's the middle of the woods. It's the creepy yeah. cross yard where many people have died, and a cross was or a dog was crucified. And that's yeah, another I, thing. Again, like seeing, I, I feel like this is this is a lead to Pet Cemetery. Like I was I was waiting for Netflix to pop up the screen, like. Your movie just ended. Would you like to watch? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Brian, I have a gun question. Yeah, go for it. it, Does a Luger just have eight millimeter bullets or how do you get bullets for the Luger? Nine millimeter. So was it, is it easy for him to actually get bullets for that Luger? I mean, probably hard. Yeah, no, I mean, nine millimeter is a very common uh, millimeter. But also, not only that, you have to realize that, like, I could go to a gun show now and get, like, not, like stuff for a Luger. Like, there, once a war is over, there's a shit ton of ammunition and guns left over. Uh-huh. And pretty soon, the governments start selling that stuff. Um, and almost every gun that is made utilizes a set like it's very rare that a gun will have a specific caliber only for itself yes okay or, so or like, a bullet that's only made for it yeah right? like that's like, just like, ammunition is usually interchangeable so like if if he has nine millimeter ammunition and the cop has a gun that has nine millimeter ammunition you can usually just poured them right over yeah so i'm pretty sure that a nine millimeter the nine millimeter used in a luger is the nine millimeter that would be used in like any kind of nine millimeter now there is a subset of nine millimeter called nine millimeter makarov which is what i use for my pistol uh which is a cz82 which is a czech police rifle or rifle (laughs) pistol but like that is it's got like a very slight difference but also like it's such a also well-known you know, uh, ammunition that I again can buy it very easily without any trouble. You, th- this is 1954 or some, something, like, or no, 1965. By the time we kind of end this movie, so yeah, um, yeah, I think so. I think ammunition is probably a little bit harder to come by back then. You can't just go you, to wait uh, a your local you Walmart. You think it's harder to get ammunition back in the 60s during Vietnam as well? Uh, I, yeah. I, okay. All right. 
Fair enough. Um, Didn't we just watch a movie good. where? Oh no, I was I was watching. I, so I I was watching that um, Hulu show <laughs> eleven twenty something sixty whatever. Oh, yeah, the uh, the King one. Yeah, the and James like Franco. Yeah. James Franco goes to a gun store and like asked to buy a gun and the woman says like well do you have like a driver's license or anything and he kind of gives her a look and then she laughs and is like haha i'm joking let's get you everything that you want <laughs> and like you could buy like guns for magazines back then like back then it wasn't weird to have to have guns like that so i think that he would probably also not to mention his dad brings it home in a box i assume that he he took it off my my one issue with the gun is we see him in the Solomon Islands. I don't know where he's getting a German Luger from. I assume he traded <laughs> it from someone else because, like, he says, well, actually, yeah, he does he, say, he like, someone says, like, that this is the gun that Hitler used to kill himself. So, yeah, yeah. I guess, like, in port, he traded, you know, a saber for a Luger or something. But anyway, yeah, no, I don't I don't see any issue with uh, getting a Luger that has ammunition. Okay. I was, I was just curious and I knew I had <laughs> an expert to ask here. I am glad uh, this is the one movie podcast where like gun related questions can actually get answered. And it's not just a bunch of people who like live in New York and San Francisco being like, I don't know, like, you know, the better, like, is, aren't they really allowed? <laughs> okay. well, are, are they, are they not really loud? I mean, most guns are pretty fucking loud. Yeah. Especially that was like my favorite question when we were talking about John Wick, where it's just like, Brian, you've shot guns before. I'm like, oh, yeah, his ears are (laughs) fucked. He's watching everything (laughs) with subtitles. Um, Yeah. Okay. well, I I just I do have a a particular question, Brian. I'm just curious who it sounds like. And not only were you feeling that this film is involving, but like, is there a certain character like is there a certain particular character who you felt like was really bringing you along. Um, Is it Holland for you? No, it's like fate, God, and the ghosts of everything (laughs) that's come before. No, like I, I, uh, uh, so this is the thing. This is another movie that I wish that I had seen in theaters because I'm sitting there and I have my phone out and I get a text from someone and it's someone that I always try to text back immediately. And she's like, Hey, what are you up to? And I was like, I'm watching this movie that I have to do for the podcast. It's uh, The Devil All the Time. It's on Netflix. She's like, what's it about? And I was like, fucked if I know. I'm an hour and a half into it. I don't know if I can identify a main character. I don't know if I can really tell you what the plot is. It's like a weird Appalachia gothic morality tale, dark comedy, crime caper, fucking period piece. And um, I'm pretty sure it was made just for me. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, there's. I think I I see myself in in a mainly Holland, just because he's the only person who is not like an out and out criminal. Um, I you mean until the end? Yeah, but then so that's the thing is like when he goes around and beats the shit out of all the guys who are terrorizing his sister. I I I love that in a movie. Like, that's if, a pretty if, good scene. If I get it, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I like I like the symmetry there between his father and like him him talking about like find the right time. Although right. I definitely don't think that his father necessarily found the right time barging in on people right in while they're sitting. Yes, yeah, sitting down in front at like a picnic table like all he had to do is just look around. And I think he does look around and sees him coming and is just like. 
ah, fuck. Bill, I'll just respond to that by saying the proof is in the pudding. He kicked the shit out of those guys and got home with no problem. I know. And I love that they they were like, Stubbs, Stubbs, get out here. And I'm like, who the fuck is Stubbs? And why don't y'all intervene? Like, nobody pulls him off of him. Look, and I'm it, just if like, it ain't, ain't your quarrel, ain't your fight him. is really the, the real takeaway from that. Again, pull, them, pull no, him off of him. Because you don't know what that guy did to deserve. If I see two people scraping in that kind of a setting, I'm just going to be like, yeah, this this is a thing that needs to happen. <laughs> I why guess. wouldn't it like you know the guy the, the, there was no preamble so clearly that man knew what he was doing it's not like i'm seeing two people fighting over whether fun with dick and jane is better than bewitched and they start coming to blows <laughs> and then i'm just like well this is a really stupid argument i need to stop these two like if a guy rolls up and starts kicking the shit so righteously out of another man i'm gonna be like well there's a backstory here and, um, again, I'm going to let it play I, out. I, 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 know. I, I still feel like Tom Holland had the better – had took the right message from his father just randomly kicking the shit out of people yes. or uh, out, out of those two guys. Like, so, like, like he uh, didn't choose the right time. He just he just fucked them up. Like it doesn't – Tom it Holland 100 percent chose the right time. He got the drop on every no, no, single I'm, one of them. I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about Bill Skarsgård. Oh, I I will again. Shit out of the guy. I just want to say again, he did it. Yeah. So clearly it was the right time. <laughs> you can't deny the effectiveness of his timing choice, except for the fact that you know he wasn't there when his wife collapsed. Yes, I, I also I also enjoy that where <laughs> the fact that Tom Holland left for that one moment is what also left uh, his sister was vulnerable yeah. too yeah see the symmetry i'm making a little interlocking yes yeah, so motion with my hands yes. i like it um i don't don't do that when we're talking about robert pattinson <laughs> <laughs> oh robert pattinson in this movie but yeah no it's it's funny because it is like he he took the right lesson from his dad but he forgot like what happened like he remembered that being a great day but seemed to forget about the fact that, like, that's what, like, first imperiled his mother. Not that, like, them going out caused cancer, but, like, the fact that, that that he wasn't there to protect his sister in the way that she needed to be protected rather than the way that he thought that she should be protected is what set her up for everything else. And you want to talk about another funny scene. Robert Pattinson religiously finagling his way out of taking any responsibility for his bastard child... <laughs> Was just like so amazing. He's like, "How could it be mine if we were just being together in the Lord?" And it's like, "What the fuck are you talking about? You absolute madman!" I found that like his his commitment to that line of bullshit was hilarious to me. Uh, Matt, He's was a that? Did you and not I love him? <laughs> what was that? Did you like? Were you a fan of that scene? Like, I, you 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 were the one who's kind of said like, you know, this needed more cynicism or bile or something. And I'm just wondering, like, did that oh, yeah, scene do yeah. anything no, for that you? Was- no, that was definitely better because it was actually putting it was putting its characters through the ringer as much as it was its audience. And that, mm-hmm. I think, is when it actually shines the most. But a lot of it is just too lopsided for, for it to ever register, whether it's in terms of whether it's just the character is suffering or the, the, the audience suffering. I don't care if you make me suffer. Just understand why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, or even mm-hmm. an, another thing of just like pacing in general. I mean, going back to me of getting stabbed in the neck with a dagger like that happens half an hour in so i didn't even register i'm just sort of like okay and i don't really know if this movie is setting everyone up as just glorified chess pieces so i guess it didn't work i don't know it's just sort of that sort of thing i mean again if you could either 
I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, and I, I have not read this novel. If you're going to adapt something that has like a metric ass ton of plot threads <laughs> going around one another, then maybe do it over more time. Personally, that would be my opinion. I can see that. I think that for me, weirdly enough, the the presence of the narrator helps to mitigate some of that sense of like loosely sketch things. Because like Michael said, like who is my main character? It's like whoever the voice is that's telling me this story. The author. Like the well, author. You know, you know who the narrator is. Yes, right? it's the author okay. of the book. Which okay. again makes yeah. me just want to read the book even more because now I can read the whole fucking book in his voice in my head and it's gonna be great. The and, the thing is though, I feel like the narration made it worse because like I mentioned before, it was solidifying all these things that were at least partially ambiguous beforehand. Or it was like little mm-hmm. things that just drive me up the wall and it wasn't it wasn't contextualized enough for me to actually get behind the decision. First of all, the narration, I felt like it didn't have enough of a rhythm to it as in terms of when he showed up to narrate everything. But it was other things of like towards the end where Tom Holland shoots Riley Keough and afterwards it's like she never stood a chance. The gun had blanks in it. I'm like, show me then. okay? like things like that. Wait, so you you would have preferred like a lead up where you saw the blanks in the gun previous to the altercation in the gun? Or like he picks up the gun and sees it's it's with blanks, and then oh, no, he like because like I just to me I kind of like the fact that like he has no idea what's happening. Like he pats himself down and is like I guess she missed or like I guess something happened, and I like the fact that like the truth of what wild cosmic events transpired to keep him alive in that moment are like just lost to him. Like he'll he he would never know, and I kind of like the fact that. Early on, the narrator kind of has, like, a level of remove. You know, he's just, like, very objective, like, blah, 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 like, this is what's happening. And then, like, right around the time that he explains <laughs> he explains Carl's motivation for going around and, and taking pictures of these people and killing them, he says, like, you know, he always thought that, like, you know, in that moment, he was closest to God because he was like God. And then it, like, shows the guy, like, crying as he's taking a picture. And then the narrator just, like, out of nowhere, with no previous even approachment of something this subjective says, the sick fuck. See, that was the best. That was probably the best use of it because there was enough yeah. of a, there was enough of an actual irony to it for yeah. it to actually stick the landing. Especially because, I mean... I, now that I think about it, that moment in particular, it's like, what? It's like 20 seconds. But I feel like that encapsulates everything in the movie actually working together for once. Yeah. Because it has it has the juxtaposition between the, the characters not knowing what's happening, but the audience and the narrator knowing. It understands the irony in terms of how it essentially treats that guy's murder like a punchline. And it also doesn't dwell on it like it does some of the other stuff in the movie. Not to say the other stuff in the movie was like grotesque or gratuitous. It just simply... it hung on it too much whereas in that one it cuts to a very quick flashback and you can see like they cut his penis off yeah and he's like he doesn't have any pants on and there's blood everywhere and he's crying his eyes out and then and you see it for like three seconds and it implies that you actually saw or were subjected more than you were so i feel like it's those little moments again i feel like i'm kind of being a broken record here to actually make it work more than it, more than it did overall even yeah, if the I- ending itself actually did kind of recontextualize some things. I was like, okay, you kind of got me there. I, I also like in that 
particular sequence, you know, the, this 20 second sequence that you also see Riley Keogh like covering herself and like turned away. Like she's, she's not, I guess at some point she enjoyed the hunt or some aspect of it, but it's clear by that sequence that she is not enjoying this process anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure if I, I wish I could get more into her character's head of all the characters because I just want to know a what she found fun about that to begin with, and you know, like at what point did she sour on it, and and at what on what aspects because it seems like she's been game with this for a while. But it also seems like she took no pleasure in it either at any point. I couldn't tell. I don't know. Some of the pictures, she seems like she's fine. No, no. I'm I'm not saying that the hunt isn't fine. I'm saying that she doesn't enjoy the actual kill. So she enjoys everything leading up to that point. That is a possibility. Though, again, I would say that in some of those pictures, she seems pretty cozy with a dead body. Mm. you know okay. so like yeah. it's it's possible that, that like adds. yeah you're talking about the the negatives that are hard to look at so i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't tell if the guys were dead or alive so Matt, what were you, you know. gonna say oh no i was just thinking about i mean that specifically she was the character because i was wondering more about where her where her motivation was coming from just because i mean when she meets jason clark she is a waitress at a diner and is it like okay is she just really lonely is she just weak um is she predisposed for this sort of voyeurism that gives way to some sort of actual predation and later on it's when she's tired of it is like is she just desensitized or is she is there a is there like a, a power dynamic that this movie isn't is pointedly not acknowledging or the movie itself isn't aware of is because i mean she is more or less, she's more of like a play thing. She's a siren, essentially, in this relationship. He's to lure in these men so Jason Clark can kill them. So mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to me as much as she is as intent on the actual kill, or even the hunt for that matter. I feel like it was it was entirely circumstantial. But to what extent, I was I was never entirely sure. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, it, <laughs> it's I, I definitely had questions like that. And I guess like if I were to get a three-hour cut, I'd love a little more... You know, because there's like a seven year time jump is like the main jump in this movie. Um, and definitely, you know, during that time seems to be like the heyday and then the decline of this, you know, killer couple's lifestyle. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like, you know, in a longer cut, maybe I'd get more of that. It's it is, it is the most you get a look at it is when they pick up Roy and they're just so bad at it. They just have like none of their shit down. Like, and and they also picked the worst possible person <laughs> to do it to, because he just murdered his wife, and he's not afraid to die because he was pretty sure he deserves it. Um, yeah. which again could be that weird ass vengeful Old Testament God just being like, all right, well, let's just take care of this dick. <laughs> I think one other thing that I've been thinking about a little bit as as you and Matt have been talking about this is I think what's interesting is not only the 20-second sequence that Matt has continually been talking about, but little things – for for one th- instance, I, I'm thinking about a, a part that I thought 
gave me a sense of character that I wanted more is when uh, Howland's character, uh, uh, Arvin, Ar- Arvin, Arvin, I believe is Howland's yep. character. Arvin is is talking to his uncle, and he's and his uncle's like, you know, you didn't have to beat up uh, that kid that much, and it was because he was playing cards with the guy's <laughs> dad. And I I think like that stuff is uh, again. Times when this movie can breathe, and and I think the more I think about it, I think it's Campos' direction that's the big problem for me because it feels very studied, but not in a way that ever um, that I feel like I'm ever getting anything out of it. I almost want it to be more rambling, and I mean, I I know I already used the word lurid, but like I want it to be more playful, not only in content but how it how it feels, like like the sick bastard, you know. Yeah. Uh, comment already talked about like that's something that feels a lot more off the cuff than the rest of the film to me so and i think if it would have had a more loose feel or took a little bit more time to define each of these places uh, to be honest i i there were times where i thought i was in one town and i was in another town yeah. there were like as much as timelines that's less important than the fact that like sometimes i realize okay we're in mead there's coke country there's uh not knock them dead knock them stiff knock them stiff (laughs) mead coke Um, creek yeah 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 coke coke creek uh not coke country um but again like it's little things like when he's talking as i said that uncle line was something that i wanted more of that and i feel like they try to establish that a little bit with how big of a factor the church is in the community. But I wanted more than it just to be his sister, the bullies, and an implication that his uncle has an interior life beyond everything else that's that's going on. I, I mean, maybe that goes back to Matt's thing that, like, you spread this out, you don't have to have uh, the reins as tight. You, you can... Just let things breathe again, and so let I think them... this is the the classic Michael Snydell, Brian J. Rowan no, 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 no. dichotomy it's, here. It's, it has nothing to do with tidy. Because MS, you don't so like don't things being tidy and clever and neat. It's, it's not tidy. No, it's it's not clever though. It's not. It's not <laughs> I'll just say if, if I had to if I had to spend like time oh, in a math right. class in this movie, I'd hate this movie. This movie is mythic this movie is 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 a is a legend right and i don't whenever you read like these old legends it's never like you know kahulan was chilling by the creek just thinking his thoughts it's like it's always on the legend so kahulan's at the creek and he rips a tree out of the ground and throws it 20 miles away and they had to rename a goddamn mountain because of it you know Okay, Everything but this legend should be abridged. Then this is not a legend. This this is, is a legend. This is a, this is one hundred percent. This is told in the style of a fable, a legend. It's it's a crazy myth making. It's this grand cosmic fate morality opera that's playing out that these people have no idea that they're playing in. And that's what makes it awesome. And that's why when you asked my favorite character, I said, like, the guiding hand of fate that's screwing over all these people so hard. There is something about 
the existential cosmic mechanics of this movie and the way in which it subjugates and grinds down and, you know, occasionally grants some level of hope to these people that I find to be super compelling. <laughs> I don't, I don't need. I, I, that sounds awesome in theory. It just didn't. Yeah, that sounds like a good movie. Doesn't... Where'd you watch that? On Netflix. <laughs> on my couch. After I vacuumed. <laughs> didn't make the same mistake as last week. I vacuumed first, so I at least didn't have that bugging me. Michael, what the fuck does your shirt say? I've been trying to figure it out all podcast. <laughs> I don't really want to say it. On, I wish on I was Mike more like my uh, online. I wish you, I was more like my online persona. I got this from... <laughs> Tasha Robinson about 10 years ago at C2E2 um, where she was there for AV Club and they gave me a shirt. Oh, okay. That's a good story. That was the first time I ever met Tasha Robinson. She's a lovely human being. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you ask. No, no. I I was really – I'm surprised there was an actual story behind it. Um, It was a very neat and tidy story. Yes, that was a neat, tidy story. Now, where, now, where will that shirt find itself years from now? Who will wear it when they murder whom? This is the other thing. Like, I, I you know, the ending of this movie, I, I just love that Tom Holland's wandering around with a gun, killing people who deserve killing. Like, that's my kind of movie. I think if we all know anything about me, I love a movie that ends with righteous violence being visited upon people. And um, I like that he gets through this, like, with kill shots all around and not a scratch on him. There's just yeah, some... but it, I, the thing that actually makes it work for me is it basically he's headed off to Vietnam. So you know he's fucked anyways. Well, that's because it's thing. just it's and, you know, that's what that's what makes it work for me because it's like again going back to Riley Keough and Jason Clark when they they murder someone and then they're just like I mean he would have died in the war anyways. Yeah, so it's like we just cut out the middleman. Well, that's the uh, that's the thing about this movie. At the end, I was like, "How do you even end this? Like, does he just walk away and then it's over?" And then you have the scene of him like trying not to fall asleep in the car, and he's like thinking about like maybe it'll all work out. Like maybe they'll realize that the sheriff was corrupt, and they'll realize that the preacher was a piece of shit, and all this other stuff. And then he's like, "So what am I gonna do? Like, I could go to war or I could start a family, which are like the two things his dad did." And that didn't work out great for his dad. Like, he's still got this millstone of the fate of his father hanging over his neck. But at this point, he's just so exhausted that he finds himself like, okay, I didn't want to fall asleep in a stranger's car because that has, like, not worked out well for me in the past. But I'm just going to do it now because now I just feel comforted by the fact that, like, my future's kind of set and I'm going to be like my dad. And despite everything that happened, I still love the man. (laughs) Yeah, that fatalism is what works best for me. Yeah. The 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 yeah. implication that going off to war is essentially just a glorified suicide, so you might as well just make the best of it. That that sort of tone I wanted more from the rest of the movie. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I feel bad because I'm describing a movie that apparently you all think sounds amazing, and I saw it, and y'all didn't, which is something that has happened to me on this podcast before where I hated a movie and then it gets described back to me and I'm like, that sounds perfect. I fucking hated this. 
but no, this, I mean, this, I, again, like it's just, it's so good. And like I said, I, I finished this and I saw that it was based on a novel and my immediate thought was I'm buying that novel. Like, this is awesome. It, it really does have that sense of, of the kind of stuff that I like, like, you know, like Sutri by Cormac McCarthy or, you know, child of God by Cormac McCarthy, like really almost anything by Cormac McCarthy. Oh just Jesus, like child. you're too nice to this movie you're way too this, nice, I'm this not movie. nice to this movie did you, did you I see have... that movie child of god with james franco <laughs> yeah. no i didn't yeah oh, that was fuck. that was the year i, I was that. i was supposed to Next go to episode. um <laughs> i was supposed to go to tiff that no. year and i had tickets for it and then my my grandfather died so i didn't go to tiff gotcha um no, so i that, feel bad i mean uh, apparently it kept me from seeing a bad movie so update on covid corner so you know, remember that I we had the Jurassic Park episode, and we were, me and Brian both were like, "Hey, that that movie is badass, and so is the book. We should both <laughs> buy the book." Well, I finished the fucking book. Uh, that book, Lex, is a fucking nightmare, and I did not. Oh, remember you mean the original Jurassic Park? Yeah, yeah. She's oh like an eight-year-old girl. No, the, her her. Uh, her brother is fine. She is awful in that book. Again, because she's an eight-year-old girl. No, this this she's is always wanting to, to play some pickle, which is apparently her way of saying that she wants to throw a and, baseball and around. hungry all the time, all well, the time. As a, very relatable, honestly. I was about to say, like, first of all, fair, been there. Also, my daughter at any given moment will say, "I am hungry," as she is in the middle of eating something. <laughs> I'm just like I know that's why you're. I've done that. I've done that. Yeah, I've I've definitely been like, man, I'm so hungry. Peeling through her third orange, and she's like, I'm hungry, and I'm like, you're working on it. Just keep going. I mean, it's better than not eating for like 50 hours and then just turning around and going, I'm fucking hungry, which I've done. (laughs) Yeah, I also finished uh, the Lost World, so now I've moved on to another Christian. Crichton, what is Crichton. wrong with you? Well, I don't know. I don't know why no. I why y'all got in my head that it should be Crichton. No, okay. I've been screaming at you that it's Michael Crichton for as long as I've goddamn known you. No, I usually say it. It's Michael Crichton, and for some reason, I come on here and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to say it wrong, so I say Crichton because I feel like that's 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 the polite way to say it. I don't I'm know. So mad Anyways. At you. Um, I'm reading uh, Eaters of the Dead, which is uh, oh the Thirteenth Warrior. Yes, yeah. very interesting. So, yep, that's my update. Okay, just talking about talking about that? reading movies or reading <laughs> books that or we recently watched movies about. Yeah. Um. No, I, I'm really looking forward to reading this movie. And, and in fact, reading this movie, reading this book. In fact, <laughs> I'm probably not even going to buy it on my Kindle. I kind of want to have a hard copy. So. That's dedication right Maybe there. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's good. You I mean, if it's half should, as good as the movie, it's going to be great, Michael. You should read it only by candlelight. These people had electric lights. Let's not let's not oversell how long ago this all takes Mythic. place. If you Legend. think about it, if you think about it, this movie ends during like the fifth season of Mad Men. <laughs> Again, it's Pet Cemetery, so... Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I find it, I, I actually, I don't find it baffling that no one liked this movie as much as I do. Cause again, this movie feels like it was made for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I just, I just got such a kick out of it. I, I enjoyed the shit out of it. It's so good. 
I've told like numerous people to see it and I'm almost certain that like half of them won't like it, but I don't care. <laughs> That's the problem. You should never ever recommend anything to anyone ever. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I told multiple I people not to watch this, Brian. So well, we you got to give me their names <laughs> and I will go and tell them that you were wrong. Because I was ah. concerned. I saw the, the, the cryptic tweets of people who didn't want to break embargo saying they didn't like this movie. And I will, however, say Eliza Scanlon in her next movie, she's got to be like a crack smoking gun toting hooker. Or she is never going to break out of this frail, pious girl who's fated to die thing. Oh, she's yeah. a cancer. She has cancer and baby teeth. So that's yeah. that's something. The whole movie. No, the whole movie is just like, isn't teen death super, super emotional? Oh, that sounds who's, terrible. Who's, <laughs> it's not terrible. It's fine. I'm like, it's, it's interesting. Okay. It's whatever. I need to I need to rewatch. I, I am definitely in the minority with Matt as well for opposite reasons. That weirdly, like. yeah. I actually I was the only one I, for that movie. I thought it's weird. Adult Swim asides of humor worked, whereas the actual drama just made me want to like pull my teeth out. Her next movie is apparently too? yeah, but then I realized I don't have any left, so it was pointless. I see what you did there. Boom. Uh, her next movie is apparently Untitled M Night Shyamalan Universal Project. Hell yeah. So that's going to be awesome. Though, again, like it is, he, he has a religious streak. So I'm worried that he's going to be like, so what I want you to do is to play a quiet, pious girl who will get murdered at some point. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she's good at it. Don't get me wrong. But like, you know, I, I, we need, we need to let her stretch her legs a little bit. And Riley, maybe her and Riley Keough should have swapped places in this movie. Cause I'm tired of Riley Keough being like, a white trash villainous. I, I, okay, I fair. I love yes. her, but I mean, I, I guess that's not all of her roles. I, it, has she ever not been infl- had violence inflicted on her or inflicted I mean, said violence? I mean, I, I mean, at least it's implied. I would say, like. Under the Silver Lake, she's just like, hi. And then she's like, bye. And then she's like, yeah. <laughs> That's a movie that I love, though, so I'm okay with oh, that. No, I um, love it. It was my favorite last year. Uh, Logan Lucky, I guess she's not, but she is kind of like the the kind of. She's, she's the a hairdresser, hairdresser, right? I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, she's. Cause she's there is a. She's, yeah. I mean, if you could make. If you could paint broad strokes and say white trash to some of her characters, I guess it's like maybe that. American Honey, definitely. And then I think that's all I can think of because it's like the lodge she's just put through the ringer. House that Jack built, she's put through the ringer. Um, what? Under the Silver love Lake, song. she's put through the ringer. Oh, yeah. Love, love song, she plays an actual, uh, not an actual person. She plays it. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, Magic Mike, she's not, I don't think she has anything terrible happened to her she's in zola i can't even imagine zola is zola is wild I, but yeah no whenever that finally comes out i'm excited to see that again because that movie is wild <laughs> she's she's it is like the most riley keogh riley keogh movie but i don't think <laughs> nah. there's any well, what the fuck she, does that mean it's based on a twitter I, thread <laughs> it's based on a twitter thread about two sex workers who go one of them is played by taylor page and she's like the head on her shoulders one and then one of them is riley keogh and she's wild 
And she's like, my friend in Florida said there's this club will make thousands of dollars dancing in one night. And she's like, okay. And then it's just a whole shit show. It's based on Twitter. It's great. Fantastic. That sounds like a movie that I can't wait to proudly proclaim that I did not see. Wait, 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 wait. This film is the film is based on an infamous 148 tweet Twitter thread in which Zola meets a sex worker named Stephanie at a restaurant where Zola waitresses and the two immediately bond over pole dancing. One day they exchange numbers. Stephanie invites Zola on a cross country road trip where the goal is to make as much money as possible dancing in Florida strip clubs. Zola agrees and suddenly she is trapped in the craziest, most unexpected trip of her life, partaking in a wild two day trip with Stephanie, her boyfriend, Derek, and Stephanie's violent pimp, X. Coleman Domingo plays the pimp, and yeah. his accent is, like, constantly changing and ambiguous, and Taylor Page speaking narration, her narration is hilarious, because she's just like, I know we're, like, an hour and a half into this thing, I still don't know who the fuck this person is or where he's from. Wait, Nicholas <laughs> Braun is the boyfriend from I Succession? Think so. Yeah, I think he's very oh, briefly in okay. it. Yeah. All right. All right, let's get out of here. Well, we were talking about Riley Keough pigeonholing herself further and Eliza Scanlon doing the same. Um, I will say, you know, it's good to see Bill Skarsgård not being a murderous clown. Um, Or a murderer in Detroit. (laughs) Yes. Wait. He dodged that. Detroit? Never mind. No, he wasn't in Detroit. He was, he he was supposed, no, the, the, the guy who was the murderous cop in Detroit was supposed to be Pennywise originally. I think that's how that whole uh-huh. twisted story goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will also say I really liked Haley Bennett in this movie. Um, I feel, felt like I'd seen her other places, but then I just could not find anything that I'd really seen her in except for The Magnificent He's Seven, a movie that I've almost banished from my memory just because. <laughs> I will. Th- that I will- Denzel Washington? Yeah, it's got Denzel Washington. It's got like Fuck. Ethan Hawke. It's we we talked about this. Bill, were you not on I, that I, episode? No, I I I'm just remembering that Denzel was in that fucking remake. Yeah, yeah, that movie and, sucks. It's yeah. not good. It's not a great movie. Um, I will say that uh, Haley Bennett is playing the role of Lindsay in a movie called Hillbilly Elegy, and I feel like that is a name that could also have been put on oh, the devil all the oh. time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's there's clearly a, an Appalachia kind of renaissance happening, and all these people have attached themselves to it. Mm-hmm. Um, any final thoughts on this movie before we wrap up? Uh, you know, one of the best films to be released this year. <sighs> what what a state of affairs! Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> This would be a hell of a movie to do a does the dog die.com game about. <laughs> okay, but I, I, last thing I will say is I heard there is a graphic dog death in this. I would not call this graphic, although I will say I could not see anything during the dark scenes. So, oh, is, yeah, no, it gets, uh, yeah, that dog is crucified. That's, that's pretty fucking gnarly. The dog is crucified just Wait, as the Marine was. Yeah, you see it. Oh yes, you see bones. Well, I watched like, this during like, the day, so yeah. I missed that. It it does not look pretty. It's, again, uh, another reason that we should pray for the opening of theaters again, because I, I was lucky enough to watch this movie late at night, so I didn't have any like glare on the screen for once. But yeah, I mean that would that would suck. Um, but yeah, the dog is is murdered. the 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 funny thing is, the murder of the dog isn't graphic because it happens off screen. Yeah, it's 
everything that happens once the dog is dead that's graphic. Um, nice. When they find the dad uh, dead by the praying log, which didn't work, as that kid says. Um, the, At cemetery. The, the cop looks up and sees the dog crucified there because they, they, they tried to make a sacrifice of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Oh, man. Great movie. Good. All right. That's going to be the final word on The Devil All the Time, which, again, is streaming on Netflix now. So go check it out. Stay far away. Check it out. It is one of the (laughs) most watched movies on Netflix. The people have spoken. The tide is turning. History will prove me right. Michael Snydell will be consigned to the ash heap of history where he belongs. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> all right great good times um that's it for today uh ooh, yeah don't forget that we are brought to you by f- i was i was Movie. about to say the fine patrons Movie? at patreon now of course we're brought to you by Movie primarily the uh curated online cinema um for your free 30-day trial go to mubi.com slash film stage also don't forget to go to patreon.com slash the film stage show to give us your money Michael Snydell, what are we talking about next week? <laughs> I have no idea. What? Uh, it is TBD on the schedule. So uh, I'm really Man. looking forward to TBD. We're not doing Mothman yet. We got to wait for October. We, yeah, we got to wait for October. Wait a second. So you have to wait another week. I was about to October. say, wait a second. It's the 21st <laughs> right now. It is. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. What is happening? Fuck. It's fine. Nothing I was, matters. I wasn't ready to hear that. Um, so yeah, uh, it's got to be at least another week until Mothman or whatever we have Mary Beth back for. Um, so Michael Snydell doesn't know what we're talking about. Maybe that means it'll be a classic episode. Um, but that's that. So yeah, without the ability to talk about what we're going to talk about next week, we can now move on into our uh, plugs. We can tell the fine people at home. Where we can be found between now and the next time that they hear from us. So let us begin with our guest, Matt Spola. Where can people find more of your work online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sapola Matt. Um, you can find me a bunch of other places as well. I'm on Letterboxd. Um, tomorrow, I, what probably it's up by the point this goes up, but I have a thing on the spool going up about uh, one of the great American films of all time, Showgirls, um, and why it is by definition not camp. Um, but yeah, oh. no, no, so look forward to that. Interesting. We had a whole conversation about whether Showgirls was camp or not on our review of you. It's don't not, know it's not, it's not, All but right. it is one, of, it, but it is amazing. So All All right, right, well, uh, you don't know me. God damn it. Yes, I, do. <laughs> I know you, you're from different places. <laughs> I wish I want to do that with my laptop right now. That'd be funny. Every time I say that, I do look for something to throw around, but I'm at my desk right now, and there is nothing here that I'm willing to put through that. Anyway, (laughs) I look forward to reading that. Um, I have an interesting relationship with camp in that I almost view it entirely as a negative. So I I kind of tend to bridle against things that I like being called camp. So I'm trying to expand my, my, uh, my, what's the word I'm looking for? tolerance of the word camp being applied to stuff that i like it's been so it's been so mis misattributed to so many different things i feel like more than half the things people say is camp or just it's just blatantly not camp so, so let me ask you uh black swan camp 
I mean, I wouldn't, I would naive camp, I guess, if you want to go by Sontag's words. It's not like I've, I've talked about this elsewhere. Darren Aronofsky is a, is a quote unquote dumb director who makes great movies, at least in my mind. So I don't think anything there was intentional. All right. He's a dumb director who makes bad movies. But he made, no, I'm not getting into this again with you. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Okay. No, 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 I, Michael and I are having I need, a, I need to go to bed. Yeah. I'm that's too bad. Michael and I have a, a constant argument about mother being a great movie. Is that the movie? Oh, you're I talking love about? mother. Yeah. Right, that's my favorite movie that year. That's yeah. all I needed. That's perfect. Um, no, anything that makes me almost pass out is a, a mwah from me. Fantastic. <laughs> so we'll have to have you back for our classic review of mother. Oh, hell yeah. Awesome. The three-year-old classic mother. Yeah. yeah we're <laughs> going to do, we're going to do it for the three year anniversary. That's happening. It's soon. Already passed. Isn't it? Damn it. No, it, it passed. Like, it passed last Friday. It was I like, think. yeah, like, it was like last, a week whatever, ago. Whatever the fifteenth was, I hate that I know that. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is that we don't have anything scheduled for next week, so maybe we'll just talk about mother. Oh God, yeah, sweet. Um, Bill Graham, where can people find your shit? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can also find me on Instagram posting puppy pictures and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, at Billstagram. So, yep, and also mixing it up on the Slack channel. I'm having fun there. So, awesome. and I did join for one of the cinephile games. That was fun. Um, lasted way too long, so I had to dip out. <laughs> <laughs> we also spent uh, the first twenty twenty five minutes just talking, so uh, not playing the game. And I was like, I was just quietly, or I, I mean, I was interacting, but I was quietly like, I, I, when do we play this game? <laughs> Well, you also have an absurdly early self-imposed bedtime. Yes. On, on you were there last week when we had like a, there was like a 20 question quiz that went on for like 35 minutes. It was a lot of fun, but it wasn't the game. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Good Michael times. Snydell, where can people find more of your wrong opinions on the internet? <laughs> I like uh, Michael. So. <laughs> just put that out Appreciate there. It. Um, I'll have a review of Secret Society of Secondborn Royals, which is something I'm apparently reviewing this week, and I definitely know nothing about it. Uh, but that'll be at the Spool later this week. Um, I will have a blurb about uh, Chantal Ackerman's uh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, about Chantal Ackerman's uh, From the East, which is being restored. Um, and so that'll be later this week. And uh, I actually did like an Antonio Campos's movie, and that's the aforementioned Christine. And so the spool, or I almost said the spool's back. Intermission back this week. And uh, talking to Cody Corral about Antonio Campos's Christine. We also get into it about journalism and our uh, uh, misgivings and deep passion, often simultaneously. Just generally or related to journalism? Uh, pick what you want. Yeah. <laughs> All of my life's misgivings. Oh, man. Um, As for me, you can find me on all the bullshit that runs your life at Brian J. Rowan. 
Uh, you can find my personal site, BrianJerone.com. And, of course, uh, go to SchmidtSpirits.com to check out the uh, the new great delicious flavors of uh, liquor that me and my friend are pumping out. And don't Send forget to me. Uh, we are working on getting shipping, but a lot of states do not allow direct shipping to consumers. But we will be... Uh, you can has imagine... Has any marmalade showed up? There has been no marmalade yet. Bill, you're doing a terrible job organizing God this. damn it, listeners. Resistance? I don't even know what to call this movement you're trying to start where people send marmalade <laughs> to my distillery. Um, I, I'm going to keep mentioning it until it happens. Someone's going to do it. That's the way. Yes. I'm just expecting Mary Beth to like show up at the distillery and just lob marmalade at some point. But anyway, um, my, uh, yeah, you can find every episode of this year podcast at thefilmstage.com where you can also find more writing by me and everyone else here. And, uh, yeah, that is it. So join us next week when we'll be talking about something. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next time. Tennessee whiskey got me drinking in heaven and angel start to look good to me. They're gonna have to deport me to the fiery